a good old boy Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law Since the day they was born Good old boys I'm Mark Bog Beef And it's me, the token P.O.C. We yeah, were, you're, you're a famous guy right now. Uh, yeah, uh, a culinary, uh, a culinary <laughs> review. Or you're showing people, uh, like you know, they used to have these shows like um, with Robin Leach, the lifestyles of the rich and famous. That was probably the first place that Trump really. Uh, a lot of people saw Trump. But anyways, there was just this show where they would. Uh, it was cribs for the for for the classy people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and part of it is you would, uh, it was like, well, you plebs, you don't, you know, you eat a hamburger helper at McDonald's. But what Donald Trump, well, by the way, Mike, is Trump eats that too. <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump eats Whoppers and, and Taco Bell. And he doesn't drink either. But they would say, well, here's what real people with class and distinction they eat, they, they eat caviar, they drink champagne. And you're sort and, and they're taking them a tour through what real class looks like. I and mean, I think that's what you're doing right now as well. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm putting Sweden on the map here as the little known because people are coping and seeding. But like, this is actually the culinary capital of the world. We have the best dumpling. We have the best, like, pickled herring, um, which is actually something that a lot of Jews eat for some reason. But, like, their pickled herring is inferior to ours, obviously. And there's probably, like, some some sort of national socialist theory as to why that's the case. But I don't, I don't you know, condone that sort of stuff. Um, but, but anyway... Um, we have the best ham hocks, even though, you know, Muslims are generally seeding about these ham hocks um, because they can't eat them. Um, and um, yeah, like Sweden is just like best damn food nation in the world. Like that's why Swedish meatballs are a thing. And um, a lot of people are, you know, they're in denial about this. And they will say, oh, you know, like, you know, my French chef told me <laughs> that France, French food is so great. And if it's so great, why, why can't I go to France and get pickled herring? Like yeah. this. I mean, so uh, it, it's certainly not the same thing as, as the food I grew up. So I grew up with probably. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, oh, well, I guess in, yeah, in Florida, maybe. Well, I mean, so I, there, there's a mix of a couple of different things, but it was one thing is like uh, I didn't really eat much like uh, uh, land meat until uh, uh, I sort of moved out. Uh, I don't want to dox myself, but there was uh, I could eat as much seafood pretty much as I want, and that's pretty much all we did. But I mean, I was looking through some of the stuff in uh, uh, at first glance, uh, it, it didn't look like because like you know Swedish meatballs. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't anything. Uh, similar to that. How, however, first off, uh, I noticed. Okay, you have the, the rock maca. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that is very similar to something uh, we call it a shrimp po' boy. Okay. What well, What do you have on it? Uh, it's the same thing: mayonnaise, shrimp, and uh, well, is there two? This is going to sound stupid. Is there two pieces of bread? Um, 
it kind of depends. Like the the normal rack maca is like a um, it's sort of a flat wheat bread thing. Well, not a flat, but like one sort of um, piece of bread, and then you sort of pile uh, like prawns on it to build some sort of mountain. But but there are like croissants and and stuff like that nowadays because people are you know, ruining tradition. But now, now, what really hit was uh, so you guys uh, eat crawfish. Yeah, um, the crawfish thing is actually kind of funny. I'm not a huge fan of crawfish to my, you know, eternal How dare thing. you? Um, because, like, <laughs> it's so much work. And, like, I, I, I'm a very stupid person. I have, you know, room temperature IQ. So, like, you know, I've never figured out how to sort of dissect these things and what parts you can eat and so on. And I'm, I'm, too, I'm too old and stupid to learn. But crawfish... Well, here, here's... You pinch the tail and you suck the head. Okay. You know? it's, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's what they're saying. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah, well, you said that uh, it, it's a lot of work to, and it is. But this is the reason. Well, if anyone's ever wondered this, because you hear stuff like, "Well, nobody ever wanted to eat lobster and stuff." Like, well, whatever, lobster is expensive, and rich people like eat lobster because you just eat it. It's just a big old piece of 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 uh, of uh, shellfish. It's just right there. Uh, the reason why crawfish is a working class thing is because it's you, you can't just stuff your face. It you have to you have to peel as you go, and you know. Yeah, but but lobster used to be like um, actual sort of you know prisoner food. So like, there's an element to a lot of this stuff which is just like you no know, matter how much evidence is presented that I will never believe that. I just can't. It's just too goddamn good. I. I, I it doesn't I mean, like look, look, I'm look, an, I'm look. insane, so it doesn't matter how much evidence. You look, show, but he, he, that's just, that's my thing. I can totally believe this because you know what, um, for for various reasons, like in the Baltic Sea, um, there's basically no eels left. They have been almost extirpated um, because uh, rich people fucking loved eels. Oh yeah, and you know I remember like when I was like sixteen or whatever, and maybe younger, like 14. So, um, like, 18 years ago, something like that. Um, and uh, I was, you know, we were on vacation to Gotland, like the, the big island in the middle of the Baltic Sea. Um, and we were driving around in the sort of countryside of Gotland, which is really beautiful. And we found this, like, fisherman's shack that had some like small scale sort of grills selling stuff to tourists and they had grilled eel. And that was like one of the best things I've ever eaten in my damn life. That stuff, like you can't get eel today. Like it's game oh, over, it's man. But you know what? The Norwegians, they don't have to fish in the Baltic. They can fish in the North Sea, and there's a lot of eels there. But the Norwegians, they just say, you know, eels, they're basically rats. Like, they're, they're, they're the rats of the sea. Like, how could you eat such a disgusting yeah. animal? And it's like, oh, my God, you fucking mongrels. Like, how so, dare you? 
I can I can explain it. So and I, and I do. It's, by the way, I do believe that the the lobster thing. First off, eel. Uh, so the only the only I, I post food on Twitter uh, occasionally. Most of the thing I post, I say, look, a big thing I'm looking to every week is I go get a big bowl of uh, uh, they call it poke or pokey or something like that. Yeah, a pokey bowl, uh, and I always get it just loaded. Top to bottom with eel because uh, I don't know if it's my favorite, but Man, goddamn, you lucky son of a bitch, you can actually eat eel. It is so fucking good. It, Growing up, I, I had a Japanese friend, and he was his dad. He he didn't eat Japanese food, and so I would go over there, me and his dad, uh, and we would just plow through eel because uh, we both just loved it. Man, so yeah, it. I, but not only do the Norwegians they have like all the oil we Swedes got none but now they have all the eel and they're not even eating it because they're fucking stupid ass you know <laughs> yeah. like Hoffman going eel that's not that's not real people's food like what sort of that's like eating bugs no screw well, you well here's so I grew up on the water and if you're in the water a lot, there's something, and sometimes you, so there's there's even a scene or two that you can do that'll make you, re- so here's the deal about, about I don't know about eel, but uh, lobsters and blue crab, God, I love blue crab, uh, lobsters, blue crab, any of these things, okay, they eat anything. And that in particular, like I'm saying, like whatever is on the like it, uh, it when when uh, you know when the Gambino family kills uh, you know someone that owes the money or something throws them to the bottom of the ocean, uh, yeah, a lobster or a blue crab is going to eat it. That that's that's what they do. I'm sorry, this is disgusting for people, but uh, and so if you're sort of on the water a lot, you know that. And some people are really weird about maybe for good reason about there's a name for this kind of scavenging eating where you just know that they're just eating anything. Yeah. I mean, I'm not defending it. Eel is too fucking good. These people yeah, need yeah, their, like, their head yeah, checked. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's okay. I, I've listened to enough of this. Like, uh, I'm, I'm from the mountains. We don't have any seafood other than like catfish, uh, you got, uh rainbow rock- trout. You got Rocky, Rocky Mountain Mount oysters. That's exactly what I was gonna. Uh, it, does Malcolm know what that is? Uh, sorry, what? Rocky Mountain oysters. No. I've had them. Have you had them, Bug Beef? Oh hell no. Yeah. I so uh, we don't we don't have we don't have seafood because we don't the sea we don't have the sea we're, we're living in the mountains. So like, you, like I said, you can get catfish and you can get trout, and that's pretty much it as far as seafood like fresh seafood goes. But we do have Rocky Mountain oysters, and that is the testicles of a bull that are prepared essentially the same way you would fry an oyster. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of there's a couple of different sort of cultures. Well, more than you would think, actually, that eat like testicles. I've never had. I've never tried it. I've eaten like lamb skull and stuff like that. Um, I wasn't exactly a fussy eater. Yeah, Doesn't that make it, you it, gay? <laughs> mm. No, the, 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 the oysters didn't touch each other, so it wasn't gay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, but Malcolm, in your, uh, in your massive uh, uh, controversial Twitter thread about North German cuisine, uh, you posted, like, uh, was it blood pudding or just some kind of it was some kind of blood like something yeah that was... yeah yeah it's it's literally blood pudding which just translates to blood pudding so yeah that's exactly the what romans love that stuff I, 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 
I'll be honest with you. I don't even understand. Like, like how is it prepared? Um, this is the thing where I'm from. Well, I mean, what you do is you you slaughter a hog and you use its blood, and you sort of you mix it up with beer. Um, usually, you can use rye stuff like that, something to serve as a binding a binding agent, and then various sort of spices. And then you, um, then you sort of, I think you actually bake it in an oven. Um, and then usually you buy these things at the supermarket and then you fry them in a pan. And then you have like fried bacon and uh, like lingonberries to them. And this used to be called like um, sort of, I don't know what the, the, equivalent word in in the US US is but essentially if you're like living in these like long sort of block houses that with like working class people live right um like uh Church food yeah exactly like beef of like you know poor people housing so drawed who's beef um <laughs> we <laughs> we have a thing called poor man steak which is yeah. essentially ground hamburger uh with with like uh I guess uh, there's different ways you can make it. But essentially, you you cook ground hamburger up like it was a steak and, yeah. and serve it that way. So it's like so it's, this is not a high class thing, like blood pudding. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. But but it's it's super cheap and also like um, I'm a big sort of liver guy, and this is basically the 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 introduction like if you if babies first step down that road because the taste is a lot milder but like you you kind of have the similar sort of iron tang to it um well, you got we got to get you some boudin man what's Ooh. that uh so if anyone if anyone uh listening to this is uh spend any time at least so boudin is it's like one of those foods i don't i'm trying to think of some off the top of my hand but boudin, it's a it's a sausage with a with a liver flavor. Oh but man, it, I love that stuff. God damn, this is like one of the big specialties of Cajun food, and it is like crack. It is like crack. I mean, it, like uh, there's something about it that, and I don't mean like just my taste. I mean like they uh, the highways you go through Louisiana is just full of these little uh, little places you stop and be like because they just know people. Uh, you, if you go on through Louisiana, you're gonna pick up some boudin. They also eat the blood sausage too, that, yeah. which is good. Yeah, like that stuff, like liver sausage, blood sausage. It's actually kind of interesting. We we shouldn't spark out too much about this, um, but you know, people should be more sort of you know food chauvinists. Like, mm -hmm. I'm an I'm an American. That means hamburgers and hot dogs are the best food in the world. Like everyone else is just a dirt eating peasant who doesn't have ice machines. On their fridges and like who cares? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm from the South. Fried chicken. If you don't like fried chicken, you don't like watermelon. You know something's wrong with you. you. Okay, I, there's I, a I, there's I, a special part of this uh, that, that is political uh, and is uh, trash, especially the especially the German stuff, North German stuff. So uh, I noticed you, some of that stuff they 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 flavored with dill, right? Yeah. You know that's not super common, right? So like yeah. uh, if you go all throughout the world, like everything. Uh, someone I saw this this paper about it. So like ninety percent of the world uses like they use a little garlic, they use a little pepper, and they use like the same stuff. It doesn't matter what country, except except for the German stuff. And there's a reason for that. 
And they and they made this. This became like a, a moral thing, and this moral thing improved. Everything. So okay, here, what's the problem? Okay, so the problem is Germany doesn't really have these big trade networks and all this stuff. They don't have uh, uh, they don't have um, uh, colonies at some point. But in general, like they don't have access to this shit the same way like Italians and shit do. So they just said, well, if you eat spice, you're going to hell. <laughs> yeah, like this, this is actually a pretty interesting point because when people talk about like, you know, traditional food and they talk about stuff that goes back like this is my f- ancestral patrimony going back like 5,000 years, like dude, fuck off. Um, like 500 years, people were eating stuff that like nobody even knows exists today, like beer soup. Um, like modern sort of or traditional cooking is usually a couple of hundred years old at best because mm-hmm. uh, most things like if you take a very sort of um, egregious example like Italians talking about like tomatoes being like this yeah. sort of Italian thing like no first off like tomatoes were brought over during the Colombian exchange, but also for several hundred years, they were just seen as a sort of um, uh, um, decorative plant. Like if you were rich, you had tomato plants because the fruit stayed like they were big, bright and shiny and red. Like people didn't go out and eat them. That would be like me going out and munching on a rose bush or bush or something. And it's only really in the 18th century that people start, you know, saying, oh, well, you can actually eat these things. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. Uh, like, it's, it's sort of unnatural. But you can eat tomatoes. Like, it's, it's fine. And then during, like, the, the 20th century, like, the, the beginning of the 20th century, um, you, you really start to uh, sort of mass, like, apply those things. And so, like, a lot of stuff that we consider traditional, it's brought over by the Colombian exchange, and there's usually a lag time period before people start eating that. And so, but that doesn't mean that, like, everything is sort of mass-produced in some supermarket or whatever. Like, allspice, for example, comes from the Caribbean and a lot of people were saying like you Swedes uh, you think all spice is Swedish like it, it doesn't grow in Sweden and I sort of posted these troll like we, you know the Vikings <laughs> they sailed over the Atlantic <laughs> and they brought them home to their longhouses like we took them we paid the iron price but but actually like not every sort of culture culinary culture in 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 Europe or in the world, when they sort of discover allspice, go, well, you, you know, we're going to use this for everything. Um, actually, like, from what I've been told by some, some other American friends, like, if you go to, like, a normal sort of small-sized supermarket, it's not like you're going to find allspice there, necessarily. It's, it's kind of a fringe thing. But in Sweden, like... Even the most rinky-dink store is going to have allspice because, like, you can't cook without allspice. Like, what are you doing? 
Uh, anybody like there will be people who will talk shit about like, North Americans not having a history, and then like yeah, but you know of course my people, glorious people in Europa, like uh, you know our traditional meals included corn, potatoes, tomatoes. Like you know you're telling on yourself there because like that you got all that shit like uh, around the same time that you got us. Like you know, yeah, uh, so unless unless you're like a uh, unless you're the of an Aztec, I don't want to hear any more yeah, about like that bullshit. Actual sort of traditional food that goes back like 2000 years. Like nobody would eat that stuff because it's really rote and boring. Like, you know, beer soup, actually like making soup stock out of, you know, barrels of beer. Uh, which is not the sort of beer you would drink today, by the way. Um, like, not at all. You, you know, peasants ate that stuff for breakfast because, like, it's it's sort of liquid bread. And, uh, like, it's a way for water to not go bad. Uh, like, who the hell would drink beer soup today? Like, oh, man, like, my ancestor drank this 500 years ago. Like, it would... No. Um... So actually, like, the thing is, the, your traditional patrimony here is what you can get away with. Like, <laughs> most stuff that we consider, like, really old-timey is 200 years at most. But that doesn't mean that, like, everyone in the world eats, like, crawfish. And, and the thing about crawfish here uh, that you might be interested to know here, bog beef, is actually that... During the sort of like temperance era of, of, of the US, you know, you have these bootleggers with Chicago typewriters, you know, smuggling booze into um, whatever, New York. Uh, you had an attempt to ban all like alcohol in Sweden. And hmm. so there's a really, um, um, there's a really sort of, I think, like, uh, it's it's a picture that's been etched into the Swedish national c- consciousness um, that is like an angry man uh, pointing at a plate of crawfish and saying, no, crawfish requires booze. <laughs> yeah. That you can't buy it. Like, you can't ban it. How are we going to eat our, like, traditional crawfish without, uh, like, our traditional Swedish booze? And, yeah. <laughs> like, one this... Of, one, yeah. one of the reasons, one of the things that convinced me uh, personally that the Bible was true was that um, uh, the, two, the two foods that were restricted <laughs> in the Old Testament, like... If you had to tell me two foods that were like, like that would be Trump, like it would, it would, it would, it would, it would take some, uh, I mean, it would, it would hurt me. I would be like, well, you can't have pork and you can't have shellfish. That would be bad times for me. There isn't like, uh, you can't do, so what is this? Uh, you, there's nothing like prosciutto with, with, yeah. with beef. You know, pork is kind of, kind of special like that. I got I have a Caesar, uh, thing about this. So, um, okay. Caesar lose Caesar's losing, um, losing to Pompey and he's kind of hemmed in and they've run out of barley and which they know they can eat and they they don't have anything to eat and they have a guy that comes and says look I was in this army uh with with uh Valeria and he and and we found this shit that's uh that you can eat and it, it's just a kind of root that's all over the place but yeah. they don't really have any idea about the plants around them and, and this plant is there and they're like hey you can eat this shit 
uh, we, we're not going to starve. They do that, and, and it kind of and it, it saves their bacon. But it's like they didn't really know like what you can eat and what you couldn't. Yeah, yeah but well, keep in mind in that the, they're probably people from the Italian Peninsula, and they're currently in Gre- in Greece. Why? Like, like, like they had. They, I'm sure they had no idea what the hell was edible there. I mean, it, these these are people from a, a, a time before mass communication. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles well, away. I, I think, well, it, they said there was nearby, but it wasn't harvest time. Uh, and in, in the, anyways, to, to wrap the story up, the, 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 the moment that, that, that who knows if it happened. See, uh, the, you know, the, the army's hand in, and, and there's a lot of taunting to get make people give up in war back then. That's what they do back mm. then. And yeah. Pompey's army, they said, you guys are going to fucking starve. Just walk away. This guy is going to get you killed. They throw over. They throw over the fence. Uh, one of these loaves. They they mixed it with some milk and they like cooked it up. It's like a loaf of bread kind of thing, but it's it's really just random shit. They just threw that shit over the thing. And they said, "No, we're fine, dog. We we got plenty to eat." <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, um, people looked at like you know ham hock. Uh, um, um, mashed like we we have this sort of potato mash uh, with. You know, you boil carrots and, and what you call Swedes, which I find kind of ironic. Um, but like these rutabagas, uh, root vegetables, you know, you mash them, you boil them in like the salty pork broth. Uh, you mash them and you have this sort of put mashed potatoes, but with like a sort of sweetness to it. Uh, you have this sort of strong... Um, really strong mustard but but it's not like french mustard which is sort of acidic this is strong and sweet and then you have like the salty um uh, boiled pork and people looked at this and said you know if you're smart you're gonna realize that tinksorg is trolling because surely no living human being could say that you know he would eat this sort of food for the rest of his life uh and you know (laughs) Uh, the, the, the real sort of horrible truth is, no, I, I actually love my country's food. Like, I don't necessarily, um, like, do that as a bit. Yeah. Well, it, well uh, to close out, I, I don't, it doesn't look like the kind of food where, like, uh, you eat too much and you feel like, uh, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like, uh, you ever eat, like, uh, too much Chinese food or something? Uh, that's bad times. Uh, it didn't look like that kind of stuff. No, okay, we yeah, we should go on to a, a lighter topic. This should be easy. Uh, a lighter topic. <laughs> yeah, one that is less likely to get you like ratioed by ten thousand yeah. angry Muslims. Yeah, I'd say some, somebody somebody uh, hurt my feelings in that thread because I, I I posted a picture of fried chicken liver. She's like, I'm from Alabama, and that's the grossest thing. I mean, <laughs> that looks disgusting. How dare you! Uh, exactly. How dare you? Okay, so here's the thing. So, uh, I mean, uh, if you put on a real stretch, you could say I would be some kind of uh, conservative commentator. You know, I'm like Sean Hannity, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I'm gonna. This is a full admission. I don't know what "Let's Go Brandon" means. Well, I don't know when it started, and it's like the biggest thing in the world now. You oh, I have, got you. Yeah. Go ahead. It, this is in my wheelhouse. I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain what happened, and then we can we can just we can discuss. So there was a NASCAR race, and uh, a guy, Brand. I don't remember his last name. This, this kid won it. His name was Brandon, 
and NBC was doing the you know the the Winter Circle interview. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about Bob Beef. You've seen this a billion times. Yeah. And the crowd is chanting "fuck Joe Biden" over and over again, and like it's it's so loud you can hear it on the on the telecast. And, and the 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 little NBC reporter kind of nervously goes, "Oh, they're saying let's go branded." Oh yeah. And, uh, it, yeah, that's where it came from. Yeah, and like everyone looked at this and they sort of laughed. Like um, Tucker did did a segment on this where he sort of mocked it, saying, "You know, Russian agents would like you to believe that some people in America don't love Joe Biden, and they would like you to believe that the people chanting let's go Brandon.'" are actually saying some very naughty word that we can't have on, on live television about Joe Biden. But that's just Putin trying to psyop you. Like, that was literally his, his, his entire bit. Like, basically sort of making fun of, like, the, the obvious thing. People are not saying, let's go Brandon. They're saying, fuck Joe Biden. Now, Remember on The Simpsons, like, uh... Oh, they're saying boo. He goes, no, they're saying boo urns. Remember, the, you remember that little bit? It, it's it's like it's like that except I mean, it happened. No, but that's fine. Oh, okay, well, what, all people right. in the audience, people in the audience, though. Yeah. Oh, now this, I became aware of this. This became news because uh, a prestigious stopped in. It hit the the number one on the uh, oh, yeah. iTunes uh, <laughs> songs. Yeah, like it, there's several songs named "Let's Go Brandon." Like, there, I, it's not just one. There's, like, four. Or there was, like, four songs with, like, the theme Let's Go Brandon uh, on the, like, <laughs> iTunes top ten list. I don't know about you, but I've heard peop- several different people saying saying this in real life, Bog Beef. I don't know if you're part of Texas. Is, uh... Uh, I, I work now. Uh, and you, you can... Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but, so... Well, I would say, uh, just a slight mention here. So, uh, Nick Land, former professor, former Marxist uh, uh, guy with um, uh, uh, whatever. The, uh, anyways, uh, Nick Land. So, th- th- someone someone said, uh, Nick Land said, "Wow, this is uh, this is pretty interesting. I- I'm really taking notice of this." And people said, "What are you talking about? That's cringe. That is pleb shit." And he said, "No, no, you guys on Twitter are pleb shit. This this is like actually uh, this actually means something. The, the number one on Twitter it means way more than whatever you guys on Twitter are saying." Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and and that's that's obviously true here because um, the U.S. has a lot of people who fashion themselves as you know generals, leaders of the movement, but the actual people sort of um, how do we put it that are out in the streets causing various bits of mischief and, and fighting the power. Um, they're not really even aware that like their leaders on Twitter are, you know, saying, well, you're doing pleb shit right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but like the let's go random thing. Okay, so here we just have some journalists saying um, this is... Like they're not saying fuck Joe Biden, they're saying let's go Brandon. Like this, this on itself would not be that um, noticeable. And you know, the top ten Spotify list being like four, four uh, songs out of ten with the theme of you know f Joe Biden, 
that's kind of more sort of significant. But the really interesting thing is like when the narrative shifts, which it did just like yesterday, I think, um, because people were starting to say, as you pointed out, Marek, let's go Brandon. And then you had NPR and like Reuters and so on saying, there's a new sort of uh, Republican conservative conspiracy afoot in America. People are saying, let's go Brandon as a sort of secret hate speech because they really want to say, fuck Joe Biden. (laughs) And just imagine this is like 12 dimensional chess. This is wheels within wheels stuff. Because again, You start by saying that actually no one in the US is saying fuck Joe Biden. They're cheering for Brandon. And then when people cheer for Brandon, you're saying, no, actually everyone is saying fuck Joe Biden. (laughs) They're not cheering for Brandon. Brandon doesn't exist. This is a psyop. And at that point, you really have to wonder, like, uh, what is the point? Like, what are you even doing? Um, And... (laughs) They they hate it for the same reason that everybody's everybody's saying it loves it because it, it gives you like like conservative people it's it's not always acceptable to to drop the f bomb uh, like in polite company among conservatives yeah like they're, they're, it's certain like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yell that in front of uh, my grandmother right yeah but uh, you know that and, and that, you can you can do it a little bit. <laughs> no, that you know to, what I mean. Like, like, like Trump. I think did it a little bit. If you, if it's considered like you're, you're really heated up and that kind of thing, it, it's not the worst thing in the world. Maybe yeah. your grandma. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> you, you, ha- you have that aspect of it. But like, uh, and, and that used to be a universal thing, like in polite company. Yeah. But that it, it really isn't anymore because like, uh, like progressives or whatever would just, just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they have these articles where it's like, they're stupid, like, fuck sticks, you absolute pieces of garbage crap. Please fucking get the fucking vaccine fucking injection fucking right now. Like, it's it's just... Like what are you even doing at that point? Come on. I, I mean, I know this sound this sounds kind of ridiculous because like we, you know, I, I do I do swear on this podcast all the time, but like I, if I'm talking to somebody in person, I don't do that. Yeah, it's, 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 I usually yeah. don't either. It, it, by the way, I, I didn't I didn't mean that. I meant like a politician or something like like yeah, I know, like I know Trump. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> So, so, but you can. It lets you do that, and plus, it's like a, it's a fun. It's it's an, it's a little thing. Like every time I've seen somebody say it, they get this like mischievous look, right? Like, like uh, at what as Malcolm said, like you're not just saying uh, fuck that guy, I hate him, because that's pretty a pretty common thing. But it's like you you're you're referencing that moment in time when like they were embarrassed at how many yeah. people hated him, and and like when the when. The media and uh, I don't want to say regime, but I guess regime or whatever, like pushes these narratives that are just—I mean—they're they're clearly and, and almost obviously not true. Like, yeah. They, 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 and you and you like you're signaling to people, yeah, we know this is bullshit, right? Yeah, people yeah. People love that. And, and but the thing is, like people people tend to—I actually consider this "Let's Go Brandon" situation a fairly like this is not just one. But like an entire like colony of canneries that have just dropped dead 
in <laughs> down in the mine, and then you're getting like these weird fumes that make your eyes bleed and and like stuff like that. This is this is a more serious thing than well, we're just having a bit of fun at the regime's expense. Because if you think about, and people like to say, well, you know, the America is becoming like the Soviet Union, like, you have to have this Samistat culture, you have to sort of have these secret signs and, like, you know, jokes for the initiated and so on. I mean, yeah, to some extent, but if you look at the Soviet Union, or any sort of, you know, close tyrannical society, the normal state of things... It's not uh, Pravda saying, let's go Brandon, and everyone sort of making fun of that. The normal state of things is that Pravda, you know, says, let's go Brandon, and most people, they just kind of shrug their shoulders. Like, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't care. I don't think people are saying, let's go Brandon, but whatever. And usually this will not be about, you know, people actually denouncing the sitting politician or whatever because that's not allowed like that shit is gonna get uh smacked down hard but like you know pravda says that like we won more medals than any other country has ever won in the olympics we're not gonna tell you which medals we won though because you know that's that's not relevant people would just say oh yeah you know maybe they're lying again uh and maybe some sort of really kooky person will say, dude, it's all a psyop. They've been lying about the number of medals the whole time. Kim Jong-un, he isn't actually, um, you know, going to the golf course <laughs> and getting 18 holes in ones. Like, that's just a lie they're telling you, man. But everyone else is like, you know, dude, do you think I'm stupid? Of course he isn't. Like some sort of god. Like, please get away from me. You're scaring the children. Like, people generally don't... Like, they don't care. They have other things on their mind than fighting the system. Um, so, the... Well, the would you <laughs> say the amount of, like, ironic jokes and stuff in the Soviet Union through the daily life, uh, it was probably way more in the 70s than it was in the 20s. Right? Yeah, yeah, but but the seventies, like people sort of ironically joked, but there wasn't much bite to it because, like, the seventies were. I mean, there wasn't a famine going on. Like at that uh, point, okay, yeah. at that point, like in the seventies and sixties, the Soviet Union is a fairly sort of, like, it's not a free society. Ooh, I got you. Yeah, what's to be scared of in the seventies? Yeah, yeah, you can say whatever the hell you want. Yeah, yeah like. Like, it's a normie society, sort of. Like, for, for a close, you know, restricted airspace, that sort of thing. But, like, most people, they're, they're busy with, like, normie stuff. Stalin is dead. Nobody's really, you know, Khrushchev, he's having meltdowns over, like, you know, new sort of art that he thinks is homosexual and, and without merit. And he says, that like, this... What would Lenin say about this stupid art? But, like, you know, people aren't being sent to, like, the death camps. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not starving. Yeah, sure. Like, if you want a new washing machine or whatever, like, you, you have to know someone who puts you on a list or whatever. But um, it's, like, you can live a normal life, and most people do. So if you start saying, like, you know, the great leader, he's actually, you know, a philanderer and blah, blah, blah. People are just going to say, you know what? 
that may be true, but I don't really care. And you're going to bring down a lot of social consequences on your head for some like stupid principle or whatever. I want no part of that. So people joke, but they joke like, you know, Americans maybe joked about um, Bush, the uh, elder in 1992. Yeah. Like how, how much explosive power is there to those jokes? Not a yeah. lot. The, the vice president couldn't spell potato. That was the biggest joke in the world. Yeah. At that point. yeah. Uh, you, you don't get the sense that people are going to kill each other over, over like joking about um, Bush Sr.'s vice president. But so, so, again, like the point I'm stressing here is just that in normal times in, you know, unfree societies, um, there's not a lot of sort of resistance to like the narrative going on. Um, what you when you and, and people for some reason think that, you know, what is happening in America, that's like that's normality in the Soviet Union. It's not. What is happening in America right now, that's East Germany like two years before the walls came down. That's when not only does Pravda or the equivalent lose control completely, but people are sort of taking this um, gleeful pleasure in just sort of dragging them through the mud, showing you have no power here. Um, and sort of daring people to do something about it. Um, this, yeah, we, yeah. we have, at this point, you know, people have directly accused us of being doomers or whatever. Uh, and like the the kind of the argu- the argument for that is that well, actually, the, you know, we're not in the we're not in that place. Uh, we're not, in, you know, we're not we're not near the collapse or whatever. This is just uh, this is going to be business as usual going forward. Yeah, which uh, you know. Your your life getting slowly worse over time, and like stagnation and things falling apart, not being able to fix things. Like, let, if we'll just say for a second, like that's true. Like, you're, there's no not going to be any uh, abrupt dislocations. You're just going to get this for the next twenty years. Like nobody who's uh, nobody who's alive that's uh, not a senior citizen or whatever uh, has any experience with that, unless you came from one of the like a second world country. You know, and you, and you get before the wall fell, like, like they ha- people have absolutely no idea what that what that will be like, living like that will mm. be because we, you you don't agree? Well, I got I want to put a pin in that. But we'll talk about that a little bit. I'm just saying, so like so, uh, it, it, in a sense, like it doesn't really fucking like it. It, it almost doesn't matter because like that, either way, you're reaching an, an unprecedented moment for for yeah. people like us who've grown up in. Uh, Either the summer or the autumn of our of our country, right? Like the things have been pretty damn good. You you could always rely on you know three percent growth. Well, you could you could get that you if you wanted stuff you could go to the store and get it. Yeah. Okay. Well, hang on. So let me uh, let me put a pin in in the thing that we were talking about before. I didn't realize we were getting into this so fast. Okay. So uh, okay. The thing about before that I just want to drop and say. Okay, there's this idea that if you're like a millennial or you're like a Zoomer, you're like, well, boomers, they don't know how to meme and all this shit. Uh, excuse me. Like most of the best, like most of the best <laughs> memes uh, have not come from the, uh, the young people. Okay, so what what was the biggest meme? It was probably like, I don't know, you can tell me what, uh, uh, 2020, I guess? It was uh, the Dancing Paul Bears, right? That was fucking yeah, uh, godlike. Sure. Uh, you remember what I'm talking about? 
Yeah. Uh, okay, that came from boomers. That was that was a boomer Facebook thing. Uh, uh, Twitter was behind all that shit, and that shit was better than like anything that that Twitter came up with. So like these boomers, uh, you know, they've seen a lot. Okay, these people, uh, they had okay, but let's move on. Do we yeah, agree with uh, that? They, yeah, uh, they, they, there's this big account on YouTube, Internet Historian, who sort of chronicles a bunch of different memes. There's one in particular. Um, let me check out which one it is. It has a particular name. There was somebody who, I can't remember who it was, it was like, it doesn't matter anyway, he, he had a great comment, he was talking about, like, with the demise of Facebook, boomers are going to come to Twitter and they're going to bring their culture, and in parentheses he put, like, fed posting and threatening murder for the most minor political disagreements. Yeah, um, the, the thing here is, oh yeah, the, the you, video is called Brad's Wife. And um, so, internet historian, he's, I think he's either a millennial or, or a Zoomer, so he has this sort of um, ironic detachment of, of our generations where he says, like, uh, you know, these damn boomers, am I right, folks? But what he says also, because Brad's wife is essentially like someone on Facebook um, posting, like, my wife got fired from like some some um, American sort of chain restaurant, uh, and like I'm really mad about this. And boomers pick this up and they start like bombarding this store forever with calls, like "What happened to Brad's wife?" And so, internet historian, this <laughs> this connoisseur of memes, he just says, like, what nobody expected was. This was a boomer meme war, and boomers, they never stop, like, unlike us, who know, like, when, when a particular... They have a longer attention span, for one thing. Yeah, like, Zoomers, they will go, like, this Pepe is two weeks old, how dare you? Boomers, they will just sort of, you know, attack you mercilessly for, for years, because they don't know when to quit. And, and you know that's true. Like that—that's kind of how these things work. So th- it's just Sumer and millennial cope that you know old people they can't mean like they, they have the endurance. Let's just say you don't want to get into a meme war with these people. <laughs> that's like being Tumblr and saying we're gonna invade Fortran. Like no, you don't do that. There's um, a. A phrase that's used in the right wing. So generally, the right wing on Twitter the stuff people uh, we hang out with, so we like uh, millennials and Zoomers. So you're like, oh yeah, the, the boomers they can't mean, they can't mean, but they don't know what they're talking about. And then every now and then, like the boomers get going, and they have a name for this. Like everyone's literally just scared of. Them. They call them the boomer waffen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they say, holy shit, oh the boomer waffen is going because like you don't want to fuck with them. They're they're not on the same levels like oh chap and all that no no they, they it's not a game it's not a game to them uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, this is like saying you know the Mongols can't fight because like we actually um, we actually have our knights here and like our archers here and we line them up in perfect squares and then we sound the bugle like the Mongols they just ride in in this big old horde and they kill and rape everything like that's not actually fighting. Like, they suck at fighting. They just kill and rape people. 
can they do that? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, sure. I mean, to some sense, that's probably like you, you are correct. Like they would probably be really bad at a medieval jousting tournament because they would be too busy uh, killing and raping all the attendants. <laughs> uh, there's a, a great but, example of like uh, Genghis Khan, boomers in the office. Uh, if you ever heard of it, so here's one thing they do. So uh, if you uh, if you reply to an email, right? If you're a millennial or you're a Zoomer, you're like, oh, gee, I need to go through and edit the, who I'm replying to so I don't reply yeah. back to the whole office. Uh, they don't give a fuck. They just hit reply all every time. Yeah. And like, and like, if you go and if you go tell them like, like, hey, you don't know where the button is. You need to, you need to, to select each person that, that you exactly was. They're like, well, fuck you. Like, what, what's the yeah. problem? Like, it takes Silence, five seconds. Zoomer, I'll yeah, it do takes, what I want. It takes five <laughs> seconds to delete it. What the hell? Get fuck you. Uh, yeah, they're, they're the Mongols. Yeah, and, and, and so, again, like, once they start, you know, sparking out about something, in this case, um, let's go Brandon or Brad's wife, like, that stuff is not going to stop. But, but, but again, like, the, the, when people say, oh, it's going to be business as usual, I mean, I'm open to that in theory, but, like, business as usual looks certain ways. In tyrannical societies, business as usual is, okay, well, this, um, this journalist said, let's go Brandon. But the people were actually saying, fuck Joe Biden. And everyone's saying, yeah, you know, who cares? That's business as usual. Business as usual is not some pilot saying, let's go Brandon to, you know, before starting the flight, like, I hope you're strapped in, let's go, Brandon. Um, um, and then people having, like, a nervous breakdown over it and saying, like, I f- a terrorist flew my plane. I was so scared for my life. Like, he could have crashed us into the Twin Towers or something, and I would just have you know, died because a Margaret showed terrorist flew the plane. But but also, <laughs> like, again, there's a huge level of cognitive dissonance here because obviously the reason you would say, um, let's go, Brandon, that's what the, the audience is saying, is if you want to hide the idea that, like, there's, act, you know, Joe Biden is, you know, incontinent, uh, senile, impopular. So you, you, you say, like, no, everyone in this Potemkin village is really happy. And then when people ironically buy into, yeah, you know, I love the Potemkin village, uh, you sort of freak out because, no, you don't really love the Potemkin village. How dare you pretend that you love the Potemkin village? I know your, your game, you swine. Well, you know, okay, but... Then again, what is the point? Why were you even trying to censor people in the first place? If them actually buying into your censorship is going to freak you out at how powerless you are. Um, this Again, this is not business as usual. This is the thing you get very uh, rarely and generally before some sort of breakup. Um, well, I can, I can tell you 
why uh, the weird reaction to it yeah. is because there's the sinking feeling like the, the whole the whole premise of the 2020 election was like okay we're gonna we're gonna bring in the senile old man and we're gonna go back to normal like, yeah uh, they're gonna they're gonna stop the all the crazy bat flu stuff and and the economy's gonna get back and we'll, we'll just we'll we'll reset the clock to like uh you know uh, january 19th uh 2017 right it's like we're just gonna we're gonna pretend that the trump stuff never happened well, not only did the bat flu stuff not go away, and like the, everything is getting getting more and more insane domestically, politically. Yeah. Now you have like, like it, it is. You gotta admit, it's pretty fucking weird. Like your 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 pa's like, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please fasten your safety belts and uh, fuck the president of the United States. Like that's yes. a sign. This is a sign that things aren't. People aren't like happy with the reset. Like yeah. there's gonna be there's problems down the road, and, yeah. and, and people don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, look, I I actually you know. If I'm gonna pat myself on on the back for my incredible prescience and wisdom, which you know is a totally normal thing to do, which I do a lot, uh, or maybe not, but but actually, I remember I I, I was on Chris Buskirk's podcast, and this was like during the George Floyd riots or or directly after them, and you know. Mid 2020 feels like a different world today. <laughs> yeah, like it's just we we were sort of oh man, like look at these riots, like things are sort of kind of like this is weird, and now we, we kind of look back at how naive we were because like um, the idea back then that like okay this is some sort of thing it's gonna pass like no like. The insanity is permanent now. But but back then in those sort of halcyon, more simpler times, uh, uh, that like 12 whole months ago, I made this sort of offhanded, uh, offhand, um, I guess, metaphor for, for what I thought was going on. That basically the libs... Like, this is the Pearl Harbor attack you're seeing right now. And it's probably going to continue to the election, I, I think I said. Like, they're doing this all-out offensive right now because they know that they have their backs to the wall, which is exactly the position that Japan was in. Like, Japan was being... Uh, like, the cliff notes of Japanese history is that they're isolated for, like, 200 years. Uh, there's a death penalty for visiting Japan. There's a death penalty for trying to leave Japan. Like, they just kill you. Um, because we don't need no damn foreign influence. Uh, and um, they're quite serious about enforcing that, too. Like, you can't say, oh, well, you know, I'll try not to leave the island next time. No, you're going to die. Um, and then, you know, the Americans sail in, in, in like, uh, the late... 1800s and say, you know, wakey, wakey, Mr. Yellow Man, um, it's time for you to open up your ports for trade. And if you don't, we're going to use our like really new technology here, cannons firing explosive shells, which was, you know, a really big thing uh, back then. Um, and, you know, Tokyo or as it is called back then, Edo, it's like all the buildings are made of wood. So if you fire incendiary explosive shells, you're going to burn down the, um, I think it's the second largest city in, in Japan at that point. 
Uh, and the Japanese, they just realized, holy crap, like we've been sleeping for 200 years. And they're behind look, a military technology because yeah. there's a uh, there's a monopoly on it and they can uh, they can sort of uh, their plebs can't have them. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like they sort of realized, OK, we need to we need to at least take stock of the situation. Like what is going on in the rest of the world? And they had some inkling before, but but like now they really look at it and they see the entire rest of Asia basically being. um invaded sort of subjugated by these like western barbarians and they go holy shit like japan is going to be like the next china because china is really big china has always been the big brother of japan um, where you know in the like 12th century like the japanese are saying that we're gonna become really civilized what do we do and someone says we should send someone to, to bring back people from, from the Chinese court because they can tell us how to drink tea. So China has always been the big brother of Japan, the big brother of everyone in that part of the world. And China is being, you know, screwed six ways to Sunday by uh, like all like Germans, French, everyone is getting in on this. And so they go, okay, we really need to modernize. We need to become like a, a Western-style empire because otherwise we're going to be like the victims of a Western-style empire. And I point this out because this is sort of a deep trauma they have. And, and they go to great lengths. They fight like two civil wars. The first one is like really serious between the shogunate and sort of these reformers. The second one is not very serious. It's against like a bunch of samurai who say, we totally understand that Japan needs to like stop being a feudal society with a bunch of samurai carrying swords around. But that's the only life we know how to live. So we're going to stage this doomed insurrection where you're going to have to kill us all because, you know, and, and we wish you good luck, like, after you kill us, go out and get him, Tiger. But we only know how to live like this, so you have to, you know, give us a warrior's death, essentially. Um, and then, you know, they change the country around, they abolish, like, all the states, all that stuff, and start, you know, becoming imperialists. And then the U.S. comes in and starts, you know, basically strangling the Japanese. Uh, you know imposing various sort of limitations, embargoing oil, stuff like that. You have to give us a Hong Kong type thing here. And the Japanese realize, okay, well, now they're really going to do what the British did to China. Like, this is it. So this is a large part of why um, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. Because in in their mode of thinking... uh, they're going to become a colony unless they are an empire. And the U.S. is basically saying, we're strong enough to say you shouldn't be an empire. Like, we won't allow you to be one. Like, what, this is going to be our backyard. What was wanted out of, out of Japan? Was there any trade good? Waifus? Yeah, that, I think that the U.S. mostly just said, like, we don't need a bunch of people that are about it, like, could threaten us in, in what will become our backyard, which is kind of, you know, normal sort of imperial politics. But the Japanese, um, they see this in a particular way. And, and so when they attack at Pearl Harbor, 
like the smart people, they sort of know that this is a real long shot in a way. Like the attack is ferocious, the Japanese have prepared for a war like this for decades, so they go all in in a way. But there's something really scary about the immediate aftermath of, of Pearl Harbor. And, and this is why I went on this long tangent in a sense, because there's something the way, really scary Ameri- to... Americans yeah. didn't want had the polling to go to war was very, very low up until that point. Yeah, and like, so the Japanese, their plan, if, if it could be called a plan, is basically to have this big battle... Like, we're going to attack Pearl Harbor, we're going to sink a lot of ships, and then the Americans will be so mad that they'll send, like, all of their ships in this sort of haphazard fashion, and then we're going to sink those ships, too, by achieving, like, very limited local superiority. And they, have, they have better tech at this point, and, like, yeah. they're, they're ahead in the game. Yeah, and, and so at that point, when like the Japanese or the Americans get so fucking mad that they just scramble all they have off their Pearl Harbor and just throw it at the Japanese, and the Japanese manage to sink that, the Americans will say, you know what, this isn't worth the trouble. Like, you can buy oil or whatever. Like, we're not going to give you Hawaii, and we're not going to, like, give you... Um, like treat you as an equal but we're gonna stop like strangling you for now that's basically the plan well everybody needs to you have to have the context of the moment like because a lot of people talk about this and they don't seem to like understand like what japan's plan was it's like you said like it was it was always a long shot even to them they knew this is like this is you're probably not going to win this war. Um, but on the other hand, it's a it's kind of a it's either a, a go big or go home situation. Yeah. You either have to give up the empire or you have to fight the United States. And in the context like of like Pearl Harbor and like what was what was the plan? Well, the plan was to destroy the battleship Pearl Harbor. And and, and then what? Well, we, you were talking about the you know the great all out battle doctrine whatever you you their idea was for like you know for a period of one to two years we can hold the u.s navy off but what was happening in europe at that time yeah. in, in in the in the fall of 1941 the wehrmacht is running roughshod over the russians i mean it, it looks like the, that war is going to be over as fast as it was with france so like if if hitler wins in in, in russia and then the U.S. has to think, well, are we going to really risk a war in the Pacific, in the Pacific while we have yeah. to deal with the, you know, the, 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 the real Battle of Britain or whatever happens in, in the Atlantic? So, like, it wasn't it, – the, the, the idea wasn't entirely crazy, but, like, even people like Yamamoto knew that it probably yeah. was not going to yeah, work. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if the Americans had acted like the Japanese wanted, like, it would have been, you know, maybe one in a five chance that, like – things would have worked out well for them. But what happens after Pearl Harbor, as I uh, intimated earlier, that's like a real, like, that's very ominous. Because, you know, Roosevelt goes on and he says, oh, you Japs, you're going to be so damn sorry you did this. You shouldn't have done this. We are going to make you pay. And then nothing, nothing happens for years. Like, the Americans, they're not sending, you know, whatever battle groups they can scramble together. They're not going, like, we're so damn mad, we're gonna, you know, walk into your trap. They're just saying, you are gonna pay for this. 
just you wait. Like, we don't forget, we don't forgive. And then they go, okay, well, we have this other war to win first. Like, we are going to deal with you. Don't think silence means, um, like, we've sort of forgotten that we uh, intend to destroy your entire puny, inferior nation. And, you know, at that point, the Japanese are just doomed. Because everyone knew that, like, you know, America is not a small island nation. It's a giant, like, continent-spanning nation with, like, an immense industrial base, all the natural resources you would ever need to wage a war forever. Um, and they're just saying, you know, we're going to use our in, in, insane industrial base and all the resources we would ever need to wage a war forever to kill you. I would... I would say yeah, I mean, Yamamoto was was one of their greatest military thinkers, and when like when they approached him to put together a battle plan for the war, he he, he straight up told them like if we fight the United States in the first six months of the war, uh, I'll I'll be able to just whoop their asses everywhere, yeah. and then after that we're we're done. And like he he almost got down to the date because I think like the midway yeah. happened like seven months after. The I would war say started. I would say so. I'm I'm not I'm not that smart, and I would have. If I was Japanese, I would have thought that they would have. Uh, I, I think I, I assume Yamamoto figured that out because he was a fucking genius. Because on the bright side for them, you have many things going. First off, they're on a they're on fire. They're on a hot streak, right? Yeah. They just put up W after W after W. Second off, all their tech that uh, uh, naval tech, uh, uh, naval air tech, is better than America's. Uh, it, it's really good. Okay, third. Uh, is the biggest of all playing defense in war is I don't wouldn't say it's easy but it's it's way the hell easier. Any of these yeah. great battles like three hundred or or who was the um, the the fin the Finland and all that stuff. Every the time war. every time you hear it, it's like oh just a couple of guys went nuts and they whooped this big ass country. Uh, were they playing defense? Yeah, because playing defense is way easier. Yeah, you know what I mean. To, and, and to be and to be fair to Japan, like, I'm spurg out. Like to be fair to Japan, like when they, when they entered this war, like they're thinking of, uh, thinking about naval warfare as it existed at the time. Like you know, you're going to send out planes to find to find each other. You're going to have a hard time for fleets to find each other. Yeah. You know, you're 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 basically operating off of early 20th century. Like technology, but the United States had shit like rate had was developing had developed the time of the war radar, yeah. uh, breaking their like we were listening to their messages through code breaking, like th that gave us such an enormous advantage that uh, like, like it, it, playing defense uh, as a naval power up until World War Two was like. I don't. I wouldn't say it's, it was even more advantageous than on land, but it was close because you got that you would generally get to choose when you would fight yeah. and where you would fight, and that was part of like as Malcolm said, their strategy, which is that hey, we can we can put our we can put together one giant fleet and go and go nibble away at the United yeah. like at their uh, land, at the, their islands and and their allies like a. Uh, Australia, even even with the way the war turned out, you know, Australia was kind of a hair's breadth away from possibly being invaded yeah. and cap and conquered by Japan. Let's, yeah, let's uh, finish uh, up Japan. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the thing the thing here that's just important to to stress, so we can sort of move back on to let's go Brandon and and like liberalism and why everyone's freaking <laughs> the fuck out right now, is that 
like the Japanese plan, the doctrine, like the decisive battle doctrine, um, Kantai Kassen, I think it was called, um, it always depended, like it was a long shot, but it always depended on Americans acting in a certain way, like that would be rational to the Japanese at least. Like they're gonna fight because, you know, you can't be attacked like at Pearl Harbor and say, oh yeah, we're gonna put off this war for three years. Like no no Japanese samurai would ever do that. He would have to commit suicide, like, you know, carve up his own belly with a samurai sword. So the Americans are gonna attack because that's what we would probably do. And um, when they attack, they're not going to have time to, you know, build as many ships as they can and just slaughter us. So we have a chance of winning in a, like, local sort of superiority. And if we really beat them, if we really kick their asses, they're going to say, okay, you're not worth crushing. Like, you can continue living as long as you don't bother us. But the moment that Roosevelt said or intimated, you know what, guys? see you in three years and at that point we are going to crush you until there's nothing left um like the entire plan went awry the japanese keep scoring victories sort of against like an empty goal um and and they win so much that they get this sort of what their own generals call victory disease but there's nobody even guarding the goal like you're just landing um sort of uh, strikes and strikes to like an empty net because the enemy team hasn't even bothered to show up on the on the pitch yet and everyone kind of knows that once these people show up on the pitch we're not only just gonna stop like scoring goals we're gonna get destroyed and so like the, the, the Japanese example might seem sort of overwrought, but I think it actually is really relevant to where sort of liberal psychology is at today. The entire sort of fortification of the election, if we try to imagine what like liberals thought it would accomplish, I mean, the shots would just realize that like it's over, man. The rightful rulers are back in the driver's seat. You've had your five minutes of fun, your four years of orange man. Now uh, witness true samurai, you know, like uh, a decisive battle, decisive election fortification doctrine. <laughs> the, de the decisions they made at the beginning of the administration was clearly, uh, I mean, it, it really sounded like people thought they were going to uh, uh, rule forever. Yeah. I would, uh, small, tiny note here, uh, uh, shout out to uh, Mr. Smol uh, so Lord Curtis Yarvin. He has an amazing essay, uh, I haven't read in a long time, where he says, like, uh, the the first instance of something of uh, hate crime law was uh, was uh, based on uh, the first instance of hate crime law or like it's illegal to like insult someone like to be an asshole like literally to be an asshole was uh, in Japan with the, the samurais after they had sort of uh, they were no longer useful but they still had this extreme station. All right, let's oh, go yeah, back. Oh yeah, yeah. Before that, if you said something to a samurai, he would just take out the sword and he would behead you. 
Yeah, yeah. If later, you felt generous. Later on, they have no use, so they're like poor <laughs> bums. So like they're not like important or rich or anything, but it's still illegal to be an, a dick to them. And so, like, yeah. that's like the first like hate crime yeah. laws. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just because like this guy can't just because public wearing of sword has swords has been banned, so he can't actually just kill you at the spot, which is what he would have done ten years ago. Like straight up, you would not survive being a dick to a samurai. Like. Not in a thousand fucking years. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of a relevant point here. Um, but because hate crime laws, again, um, they tell you something about hierarchy. And uh, not in the way that like a lot of liberals would like to intim- intimate. But when that... Yeah, because... Pu- yeah. yeah, <laughs> We've had, we've had story after story coming, uh, coming to us in the last year, year and a half, that just essentially someone committing a crime and the crime was like hurting the feelings of a protected, of a protected class. And like that, that's, uh, yeah, that's literally samurai. <laughs> yeah. They were, they, they wrote laws that you can't hurt their feelings because they're samurai. They're a protected class. That was, yeah. Do, do you think you guys think that part of the issue here, like why, like why they're freaking out about the let's go brand and stuff is that like now kind of, Everybody seems to get this idea that, like, the whole like most people are on their side, and I think this might be this yeah, might come down yeah. to the way we communicate with each other now, like through the internet and shit like that, where you can you can kind of curate curate what you see and what you hear. Like that, everybody seems like both sides seem like they're certain that that every that the majority is behind yeah, them. That's, that's and, a lead in. That's a lead into metaverse talk. Which uh, yeah. we should cut off for later. <laughs> yeah, but but the problem here is that yes, you can curate like your own sort of feed on Twitter or whatever. But if you go on a plane and you and, and the pilot says <laughs> yes, like let's go Brandon, uh, Brandon, you can't just like delete him from existence. You can't just you're all blocked. You're all blocked to the people who sort of wink at you and say let's go brandon by the um, by the way so uh this is a small thing so uh if any, the, the the southwest airlines uh their union and they're like a ups union we're like the leader of the union like it's not like guy in the dsa he's like a, a a guy that flies planes and shit uh he did an amazing interview with npr the other week where uh they were like well why isn't there enough npr was like okay mr union leader like uh, they said. They said first off, like, okay, so you know it's illegal for you guys to strike, right? And he goes, yep, it's absolutely is. And they said, well, and uh, and you've also said that 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 you're not that, that you're you're you've filed an injunction against the uh, the vaccine order. And they was like, yep, yep. And they said, okay, so so you can't do this. You can't go on strike with vaccine. He said, we're not doing that at all. And he said, uh, he said we have. He says, uh, no, everybody. Uh, he says uh, we. It, we filed a thing that says we want more money and stuff. He said, but we're not on strike. Everybody wants to go to work. I guess there's a lot of people that's, uh, I don't know. They just, they, they're not ready to go to work. They need to do, he says, they need, he said, uh, Southwest needs to, um, they need to upgrade their IT. I don't think that they know how to get enough guys to work and shit. He just, yeah, yeah. it was flamboyant. It was obviously bullshit. It was just like, well, fuck you. It, yeah, he's, yeah. he's on an illegal strike. But for yeah. Yeah, like at that point, like what the hell are you supposed to do? Like this guy goes, oh yeah, I think it's a glitch in the IT system. Like you know, everyone I've talked to says they're at work. I don't see like. They're doing the same thing back to these people. But the problem also is just that, okay, as we pointed out earlier, 
for for these people who who work by answering emails, like once normal people of flesh and blood that they meet, like servants, whatever, start saying like you know, let's go, Brandon. That's bugging the matrix. Like it it shows that they they're not in control of the simulation. But also, the much more ominous thing is that let's go, Brandon, and similar displays. That's Roosevelt saying, you are going to pay for this. At some point in the future, we are not going to forget what you did. And if you think we will over time, that you can just wait a couple of years and then the danger will be over, you are a fool. Uh, And, you know, in that case, if that is true here... Like the liberals, they have a really, really, really bad hand to play. Because, like, you know, first of all, like these sort of, the classes that they depend on, like these, you woke sort of Uber Eats orderers, Brooklyn podcasters, people, um, a guy sent me a, a, a statistics that I had to go, like, do you have a source on that? Because I wanted to disbelieve it. Like, I, I suspected it was true, but I wanted an out so I could say, like, oh, thank God it's not true. But he, he said that, you know, New York, the city, or, or I think the state of New York, or sorry, the, the city of New York has, like, two, uh, 200,000 sort of uh, public employees, Mm-hmm. It has like 600,000 NGO employees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's one thing. So uh, you like you can tell like which kind of like uh, Fed you're talking to at any given time. Like uh, if they're if they say they're in D.C. or New York. New York is where like the CIA type feds are all at, which is I mean, I assume the CIA based in Washington, D.C. But they all every if you look up every one of these these like uh, professors and stuff, they're all working for CIA. They all went to New York yeah. for some reason. Yeah. They, but like, OK, so you could say, oh, man, it's like a free to one advantage. But like these people are just useless. Yeah, they're not tied to the city. They don't have, by the way, they don't have fucking pensions. Uh, people will kill you over a fucking pension. Yeah, the, the, the issue here is just that, like, you know, if you get the garbage workers and the sanitation workers and the pilots and the Uber Eats drivers and the people keeping the co- power grid working on side, and Port then authority. you have, you know, David French on the other side like (laughs) it's very clear who has the winning hand here and you know demographically speaking um most of the actual sort of numbers of the democratic coalition are these passive recipients of you know the dregs of patronage like you know black political machines in the u.s Maybe outside of Lord Cliburn, peace be upon him, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, but like, and most of those black, other black political machines, they're just running on empty, like on inertia. Nobody knows how to maintain political machines anymore. Uh, Democrats say, oh, we're going to build like, you know, Latinos should get busy and have like a lot of hot sex so they can have, you know, a lot of kids so we can, 
invite them into the tent. Like nobody in the Democratic Party knows how to build a Latino political machine. They don't. Like, there was an amazing uh, TikTok came out today. It went viral and stuff, and uh, for, for uh, among the left. And I, I had to, I had to, to to put it in the big in the big patronage Bible. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, all right, so ethnic machines, this sort of thing, this is a big part of, of, of running. I mean, well, it, it's a type of patronage machine, right? And uh, and the guy, and this this is like some big liberal commentator on TikTok, whatever. And he says, well, you know, if you listen to us right wing people, they say that election fraud is a left wing thing. Uh, they, they will, and, and everyone sort of believes that. And he says, and he showed his evidence. He says, what the right wing has been doing. And so in, in so many words, all these cities where the ethnic machines control the, 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 the voting, they, the someone in the Republican Party is they'll pay a guy to either change his name or he has a name very similar to the Democratic candidate to run as an independent. And then these people who are like, you know, recent immigrants or something that they, they, they don't know really who it is, but they've been told by some kind of like a, a ward boss or something that you need to vote for Jim Rodriguez or something. And they get their ballot, and it says, and it says Jim and Jimbo. Uh, they don't know what a Republican and a, and, a, yeah. and, a, and a independent is and shit. And so this this will knock off like off the like no matter what. This will knock off like five to ten percent of of their ethnic machine votes every time. And this guy's like, uh, we need to have like a Supreme Court ruling to stop this because this <laughs> this is like uh, this is fucked up. I just thought that was a nice little. There yeah. was your patronage moment. Yeah, yeah, because uh, that that's not like obviously that's not fraud, but it's only a problem if you're kind of subverting the entire point of elections to begin with. Yeah, I want to I want to go back to something Malcolm said to just to reinforce the point that you're making now. Like the you know the you know we won't forgive, we won't forget thing. Like part of the Japanese war plan was that after you know after you destroy the fleet and you know you have all these battles and you and you whittle it down and you and you've essentially asserted dominance well the the u.s is just going to rationally look at the situation and decide it's you know if we're weighing the two options this one is five percent better than the other one so we're just going to come to terms with yeah. like, uh, you that only works if you think that your enemy is some is completely demoralized like they're just not they're they don't have they don't act like uh, humans act when you when you hurt them, and this is kind of a, uh, I think this might be a latent fear that that these people have too, and that perhaps the chuds aren't reacting to what's happened over the last year or year or two the way they were hoping that yeah. they would. And this is kind of the the, the debate we we have with people online. Uh, and and to be fair, perhaps they're correct, but the the, the the sorry, our detractors are kind of saying, well, people are just going to accept this. They're going to take it. They're going to just tr- trudge on and, and you know and deal with whatever adversity comes, and they're not going to freak out and and rock the boat. And they could be correct about that. No. Anything can happen. Historically, that's not how people react. To, to adversity and especially when they perceive it as someone trying to hurt them on purpose which I think that if you're on our side everybody agrees to this point that's what's happening you people are intentionally trying well, to hurt I would us. say yeah. you, you, you don't I don't think you mean that they're gonna uh, they're gonna form um, uh, the weather underground right what they're gonna do is they're gonna just uh, get uh, do more Republican Party shit right yeah but also like I think 
Well, what if they fix? What if they fix another election? What if they fix the election that's going to happen here in two days? And what if they fix the 2022 election? What if they fix the 2024? How long? Like, essentially, you either believe that people are just going to put up with that forever. Yeah, or they're not going to. Yeah, I mean, well, either way, I, I don't see. Well, we'll go. Sorry, go. Ahead. The, the point of like and not rigging like that did not happen, and, and you are a fool if you think so. The democracy wasn't stolen; it was fortified, and 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 everyone knows it was fortified at this point, and and, and nobody's ashamed of it. Fortification is a really good thing that you know helps democracy or whatever. There was another article yeah. in the last week by Democrats uh, boasting about it, by the way. Yeah. Fortification, as it is uh, graciously called, in 2020, was supposed to, just like the decisive battle doctrine, get the shuds to rationally understand that they had lost and they should seek a white, like, peace terms. Um, it was not supposed to create, you know, let's go Brandon pilots. And this is actually one of the more um, interesting points about sort of comparing this to Japan, because one of the problems in the Pacific theater, um, not just for the Japanese and Americans, but also for the British, and especially for the British, British in some ways, was like the pervasive racism and I don't mean this in the sense of, you know, it's very bad to point out that, like, you know, traveler people commit more crimes. That's racism. Like, I don't mean this in this liberal, you know, wishy-washy kind of sense. But just that um, both the U.S. and, and Japan had all of these um, fixed ideas that they needed for like ideological internal reasons about how the American acted and how the Jap acted. And sometimes this was just like basic chauvinism, but other times like, you know, the Japanese had these ideas about like how the American was this brutal barbarian. And also this is why we need like Asian solidarity. So we need to, you know, uh, we need to perform the rape of Nanking to save the Chinese from the uh, uh, foreign invaders, buddies. Like, so in that case, the sort of idea about the American as this like unnatural outsider barbarian, it's not just like we really hate American and want to come up with racist jokes, but we also need to explain who we are in relationship to them. Um... And there's a good war, uh, sorry, there's a good book about this um, called War Without Mercy that sort of lays out just how the different sides in the Pacific have these rotating because they change over time. Like Japanese are seen as um, by the British. The British essentially say that Japanese, for various reasons like ha that have to do with race, like first of all, they don't have the brain power necessary to build like good seaplanes. Like they're racially incapable of it. It's like getting an orc to be a wizard or whatever. Like it can't be done. <laughs> um, it, um, so like these people, they're good at you know whatever it is orcs do. But also like some of these things are like basically scientism. So, so they point out that Japanese people or Japanese kids have to um, 
have to learn like this sort of uh, what's the word like this the symbol language like they don't have an alphabet they have in fact like three different kinds of like um, I, I don't know the specific term for it, but like, you know, um, they write with symbols, they don't write with letters. And like, this takes an actual, like, longer time to learn all of this stuff. And this has a real, like, measurable impact on brain development. And for, for these reasons, like, there's not enough room left in the brain for them to, you know, aim a torpedo bomber to sink. A British battleship, let's say, like, the yeah. Prince of Wales or the Repulse. Like, sorry, Japanese brains, they're not really configured for that. And here is the thing. Like, the first part, it's actually true. It takes significantly longer for uh, Japanese, Chinese kids, I think particularly for Japanese kids, for, because I just think they have, like, more different, like, complementing sign languages. But... It takes longer for the kids to learn. And like if you measure like brain activity on a scan, which I didn't have at the time, like their brains look slightly different in some places. But the obvious flaw here is that like this does not necessarily the fact that this is a thing does not necessarily mean that the Japanese can't aim their torpedo bombers because it turns out they could. They like, had the, better stuff outright yeah, at the beginning. Yeah, I mean like this is an explanation that on its surface sounds plausible but the different aspects of it doesn't have they don't have any correlation i could say what? you know there's never been a moment in history with as many nicholas cage moments as now which is why <laughs> the u.s empire is going to last forever you know when i was a kid i had this huge book about like the essentially the history of the US Army Air Corps and there was this part like where oh, damn I wish I could remember the name of the, the writer saying it but like he was it was before the war and he was speculating that like Japanese pilots were measurably worse than European and American pilots because their eyes made them nearsighted. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that, too. Uh, yeah, but it's just like, like as Bogby said, like they had better torpedoes, they had better planes, they, they had, had better pilots. Better, um, at the beginning. Yeah, well, the, yeah, but the, I mean, that's, I, that's I don't a think, measure of how much you spend on training and stuff like that overall. Well, so. and they had been fighting. They had been fighting for like yeah. three years, but yeah, three or four they years. They brought but in Charles Lindbergh and stuff to try to show them how to fly and all yeah. that shit. Uh, by the way, liberals, all that shit you said, liberals still do that to this day. Yeah, this yeah, very yeah. day. This is part. Of, this part of SJW shit is this languageism. Like, like uh, they'll say, like, um, well, you know, in Alaska, they don't have a word for hate, so they just love everybody. If someone added this word to their dictionary, like they would like learn to feel anger and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> the the other one, the other, and, and that may be uh, a little bit of a exaggeration, but the other one they still literally do this is they say uh, cultures that don't know the the number zero yet. Um, yeah. 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 The, the thing here is just that the the yeah that's true. They have this sort of like very romantic notion about like you know the primitive man. Which the American also had um, toward the Japanese in some sense. Like, a lot of these sort of racist stereotypes. And again, I don't mean racist in some sort of, well, you know, you say you think mean things. I mean, like, you, you have these sort of roles that you slot people into. We did the like, same thing about the Germans. Yeah. They, they usually have <laughs> two sides. So the Japanese, they were like these really, like, funny little people with, like, these, like, been to... 
Osaka, look. Uh, look at the temples in Kyoto and look at the small little Japanese women with their flower shops. This is really cool and quaint. And then you have like these people are just, you know, fucking monkeys. Like they're, 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 they're trash. And like one of the reasons that Kyoto in particular was spared like actual aerial bombing was because, you know, some of the people, um, you know, highest levels of US command they like they really loved like all of those little quaint flower shops and you know Japanese temples and so on and said you know, I've really been to Kyoto and uh, it's a really nice city um, I forbid you from destroying it because I would like to visit it again once we make the Japanese our slaves um, so like I've got I've got a conspiracy theory to drop here because uh, like boss tweets the boss tweet was a, a Scots Irish Protestant most of his customers and patrons were Catholics, so uh, this is this is a conspiracy theory that Catholics love. So I'm going to drop it here for them. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they, I believe Nagasaki, right? So they have a conspiracy theory based, like you know, the, the wasp uh, uh, people that used to rule the United States, blah blah. blah. They believe yeah. that the wasp specifically targeted, I think, Nagasaki because that was the only Catholic church in the whole country. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, you know, stranger things than that have happened. I, I, I would be a fool to dismiss that as an impossibility. Um, so, I mean, uh, alleged. I mean, the story I always heard was that those two cities were the, for 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 various reasons, the uh, two of the largest cities that hadn't really been strategically bombed yet yeah. so like they were pretty much a, a blank slate where you could see exactly how powerful these weapons would be Hiroshima yeah. was a backup target though I think but anyways let's start yeah but the thing here this isn't just like quaint local color or like look at our historical knowledge like the point of this like talking about these sort of stereotypes it's well I guess there's two sides to it the first side is that just like it's usual with racist stereotypes that aren't just, you know, funny jokes about Albanians being lazy, so in order to masturbate, they just dig a hole and wait for an earthquake and put their dick in the hole. Like, you know, that that's different. Like, these real, like, sort of official state-mandated <laughs> um, uh, um, stereotypes, they not only serve a, the goal of bigotry. Like, bigotry is not really the point. They usually have to look a certain way in order to satisfy um, certain like internal requirements. Yeah. So the Japanese will tell racist stereotypes about Americans, not necessarily because they like cynically believe them to be true, but because this is kind of the, part of warfare. Yeah, the 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 stereotype about Americans is what tells like basically lets the japanese tell themselves who they really are and vice versa for the americans the uh, the 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 figure of the japanese soldier changes depending on how americans view themselves and this is 155 percent true approximately give or take another hundred percent um in terms of like liberals versus chuds, the stereotypes Damn. about how lib like the chuds would act 
in in term like after this massive Bef- like before you this, go on. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's going to go there because I'm an idiot. I don't know where you're going, and but I know. And so there's a typical way that you did this. And in general, it's like one of the things that everyone knows is that uh, a common thing that you need to do when you're saying uh, those guys are, are fucked up, you need to go kill them. Is just, uh, one of the things that's odd is you have to say, A, they're stupid. They're like, they're yeah. like subhuman, but also they're like devious. Yeah. Uh, so that, and there's no, that doesn't make sense. You can't, you can't mash those in the same sentence, but on one hand, they need to be like uh, a mad scientist, like evil and yeah, yeah, devious yeah. intelligence, but also yeah. they're like stupid, like uh subhuman now. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. I mean, look, look at you. You, you may be a stupid redneck, but you're devious <laughs> enough to, uh, not like sort of instinctively understand. In fact, what is the central point of, um, War without mercy. That like, you you can't have these stereotypes without like that dichotomy you're just describing. So, like you make a very good sort of magatard um, enemy in the eyes of the liberals because you have both sides, my friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, we the, one of our first good reviews. They said uh, uh, these guys are these guys are, are, are really smart uh, morons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, the, the, the actual sort of really um, hostile review would say these people are like really devious, like rats, morons. Yeah. But being smart, that's like still, you know, not that bad. But, but again, like the point, the point that's central here with like the liberal view as they like, you know, launched their Operation Decisive Fortification, and all of those, like, executive orders meant to sort of cement the glorious, like, you know, empire of the rising sun or whatever. Well, now they're, they're literally saying, uh, okay, the people that don't get the vax, uh, we should think about uh, killing them. Yeah, um, you know. <laughs> what? So that's not super common, but every now and then they don't say kill, but they say, uh, like, no breaks. Anything goes. Like we're yeah. tired of fucking with them, and that's not a common. I, I guess Chomsky did say like when they were asked them, well, how they're gonna get food?" He's like, "That's for their problem." Yeah, exactly. Like people are people are spooling up this engine. Like I saw that guy David from saying, <laughs> "Like us Americans, real Americans, are tired of like I can't remember the exact wording he used, but like these sort of moronic parasites, essentially, like you know." the internal fifth column that is, like, sucking the lifeblood of the nation from within. And, you know, like, it's a cheap thing to make the point, like, oh, this is just like in Nazi Germany. But the thing that people miss is that not everyone has to be a Nazi because, like, Nazis were, like, weird German sort of nationalists and and occultists and crap. But everyone who has to sort of um, marginalize their own population, has to act in the same way. Like, the Nazis didn't invent shit in terms of, like, how they talked about the Jews. Because there's only one way to talk about people like that. Um, You know, Hutus and Tutsis in, in Africa, like, they didn't read Mein Kampf. Maybe some of them didn't even know how to read. But, like you will find the same sort of spooling up of that engine um, because there's only one way to do it. 
not the point here is not necessarily like oh like soon you will see Hugo Boss lives in you know Hugo Boss costumes with death's heads uh, on them uh, because you won't uh, like that's 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 a ridiculous sort of thing to be afraid of but what is happening right now is that let's go Brandon again like this is this is like a bunch of calories um, dropping dead in the coal mine insofar as for the libs it illustrates that like okay they've had these stereotypes about the shud and these stereotypes are not sort of like this is a military intelligence report of how these people act like let us sort of describe reality as best as we can so that our officers can make the best decisions no this is the japanese saying we need like the americans are rapacious barbarians Therefore, we need to occupy Manchuria in order to help our brother Chinese against, like, the foreign barbarians and also, you know, rape and loot and pillage. Because, you know, we're just friends like that. Um, the the one problem... Of, one of the yes. ways they describe racism is kind of... I wonder if it's taking that term because... Uh, that's still, I think, the majority way that racist... That, like, uh, the Chud racist is described is uh it's so like a jew is someone that's like uh like an in, like an invader like like uh like uh you know like some kind of uh like it's okay well here's the thing they'll say about chuds they're like uh they're like ignorant so like they they don't they haven't like went they have they haven't seen enough of the world to know uh so it's like a stupid thing provincial no. like provincial parochial whatever yeah yeah uh, uh what's what's that movie with um uh, uh well, anyways, uh, it, it's like a, it's a stupid thing. However, now you sort of get more of the devious thing. Anyways. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, there's like, you know, all of those sort of memes where, like, there's two things, like, you know, place. And there's the Soyak just, like, staring, like, I don't care about this. And there's place, Japan. And the Soyak just, oh, my God, this is so cool. Um, someone actually made, like, a... Picture like that of you know Albania, and then sort of added like Stip, I think the place was called like it's really like bumfuck city in Albania, Stip Albania, and then Stipukava Japan, and they added like a cherry blossom tree to like you know to Albanian street, and and the Soyak was just losing his mind. Huh. Libs are like that with um, being provincial. Like, if you're a, I don't know, an Eskimo or whatever, saying, I've never left the ice shelf, they will go, oh my god, let me come to you, partake of your ancestral wisdom, my friend, holy crap, like, I wish I could smoke the peace pipe with you, Mr. Eskimo man. Um, and then they'll have, like, a struggle session over, you know, like, how dare you say Eskimo? And, like, these people, like, you didn't ask for their pronouns and so on and start murdering each other. But, like, the the native, the uh, poor person, like, the protected group who is provincial is that in just this rustic way. But the person in Appalachia who says, you know, I'm provincial. 
that person is like maliciously provincial. Yeah. Like it's it's a sort of moral choice to be like ignorant. Yeah, but this this is bizarre because like uh, I believe I it's a pretty decent shot that like the vast majority of people in the world that aren't rich are super provincial. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you like, if you want to find someone that has the name of the place they grew up tattooed on their body, you should go find a redneck or a poor black guy. Yeah, and 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 again, oh, well, well, can, can we just? Uh, I mean, I knew plenty of rednecks that had their literal area code tattooed on there, and that's that's a common thing for black guys too. By the way, uh, be, uh, being uh, being provincial uh, is 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 like uh, being human. Uh, the the, pe- the people who aren't provincial, like the citizens of the world, they're the ones who are wrong. Like you, you've kind of you've given up a piece of your a, a slice of your humanity to to become that. Yeah. So like so like of course they 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 hate it. They hate it the way that fucking Dracula hates the, the villagers with the pitchforks and the torches, right? No, I mean because they, they're they're not they're they're you know I'm not saying like the being cosmopolitan makes you not a human being, but it it definitely makes you. Less able to understand the vast, vast, vast majority of people who have lived on this earth and will live on this uh-huh. earth, like as long as they're yeah. human beings. But, but in this case, if, if this is some kind of convenient or some kind of tactic because they don't care if people who are their friends are perpetual, which they all yeah, often yeah, very yeah. much are. No, no, no. Like I, you're onto something here, Bog Beef, but you're actually getting it like the wrong way around. Uh, the thing about liberals, like, if, if we're going to do a good faith reading and not sort of, like, make them into Japs here for, for our own sort of parochial <laughs> reason, like, if you are one of the good guys, like, one of the good groups, and you say, you know, to be provincial is to be human, no lib is going to say, you know, fuck you, Mr. Inuit man. Fuck off. Live in the airport. Eat these, eat the Starbucks, or like we will, you know, accelerate global farming and kill all the seals so you'll have no choice. They'll say, Yeah, you know, you are completely right. Being provincial, like living in Greenland, hunting seals, that is to be human. And we libs in our big cities, we have sort of given up that (laughs) bongo, 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 I don't want to leave the jungle. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm so jealous of you. I wish I could live like that, but I've been ruined by civilization. They will say that, and they will not say that cynically. They will actually believe that. If someone who is a redneck says that, they will say, look at this damn scheming Jew. <laughs> yes. Who by, you know, acting poor, living in his shtetl, is actually conspiring <laughs> to, you know, take all I own. Like... The more poor he acts, the more I know he is like this insanely sort of stupid, inferior, you know, worthless, but still insanely shit. Like, they always say, don't you know those guys always have like their trucks cost like $75,000? Yeah. This comes up, this has been coming up a lot this year, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm I'm not making this as a sort of, you know, Godwin's law point. Like, um, um, Norman Finkelstein talks about this a lot, like, and he points out that if you're a really poor Polish Jew, and you say, look, I don't even own a pot to piss in, I live in this shtetl, this slum, with, like, other Yiddish speakers, 
you know, I, I'm not an international banker, buddy. Like, you know, I, I'm really fucking poor. Like, what you see is what you get. If you say that to a Nazi, that guy is going to say, holy crap, these Jewish rats, they're so devious. Like, their camouflage is so incredibly good that it's literally impossible to actually tell that he's a banker. And that just makes him more dangerous. Yeah, like they, this, would, they would torture them and they would say no. Because the soldiers, I mean, they had just believed this stuff. They would be like, show us where your hidden gold is. You know, yeah. of course, Jews, they always have the hidden gold, you know. Yeah. And and the thing is, like, this this sort of deviousness, deviousness like, it's, as you pointed out earlier, like, it's two sides of the same coin. Like, this sort of racist, racist like, otherization. Um, because they have to be infinitely clever, but also infinitely dumb. Um, like, like most Canadians. Yeah, and, and like, you know, to liberals, black people, they're just dumb. Like a sort of measurable, normal level of dumb. And so you have all of these, you know, racist attacks on Asian Americans. And usually if there's a video, it's like a black person committing, like, you know, beating up this sort of old Asian lady at the bus stop or whatever. Liberals will look at that and they will just say, yeah, but the guy isn't making a choice. Like, he's ignorant. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, by the way... That's not his own fault. Like, come on. There's a lot more to that than than, than the show. I mean, there is, like, uh, there is sort of, like, ethnic, like, like the same ethnic strike that happens in the Balkans. Like, they, like, they, the different rate, like, in some of those cases, they'll be, like, Koreans buying up parts of things like Harlem and stuff. And, like, this is, uh, this isn't, like, unexplainable, like, oh, well, like, this is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, there's like actual meat to these bones, and you know. But but they it, really it, do it, believe that. Yeah, I, we yeah. got an email from Twitch one time that said Twitch was going to host like a training session for black people to teach them to not beat up black <laughs> people. I mean, sorry, they were going to teach black people not to beat up Asian people. And yeah, I mean, yeah, look, you would never look. see this about anything else. Do yeah, you remember and, this, Merrick? Yeah, said, come on out. We're gonna we're gonna tell them. You know, yeah. Look, like, and here is the thing. This is what the right doesn't really get. Like, they look at this. So, okay, a white person does something and everyone loses their damn minds. And then the black person does it. And everyone just says, yeah, well, he's stupid and ignorant. Like, it's not his fault. It's the fault of the white man. Like, what can you do? And they think, like, I've caught him in this big lie. No, these people actually believe this. And again, to use a example that these, you know, based Groyper posters might understand. Like, if the German army comes, I don't know, to some Bulgarian fucking slum, and some Bulgarian illiterate, you know, hobo says, look at me, I'm really poor. Everyone's gonna go, yeah, this guy is pretty poor, let's move on. Nobody's gonna say, you devious little Bulgarian rat, show me where your pot of gold is, please. Like, yeah. The fact that you live in a shack just shows us how like magnificently evil you are. Like this this genius level of deception. No, they're just gonna Yeah, this like this fucking Bulgaria, like people are poor. It's not like Germany where, you know, people have, you know, ice machines or whatever, like 
poor people in a poor country a uh, new film at 11 guys like again the German soldiers aren't being hypocrites here they actually believe that stuff and you know sometimes uh, these stereotype stereotypes have some sort of you know um, grounding in reality if you found like the mayor or something they would off they, they could have like a hidden stash or something you know? yeah but but and and this is kind of the point like the 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 shod the white person is just the Jew here and not because like the the magic from the the evil sorcery of the Nazis has like moved on it's just that like every sort of stereotype like if you sort of surgically removed all knowledge of, you know, the existence of Nazis or Jews or whatever, like, you would never escape this dynamic of um, infinite genius, infinite deviousness, like, your own sort of... Everything you do is a choice, an evil choice. Uh, Like, this is why you have people saying that, you know, white people... Uh, like killing themselves in record numbers by overdosing on fentanyl is actually just a plot to hurt black people. Yeah, there's a, yeah. a I could recommend. So there's an amazing. Well, I can't remember who it is. There's an amazing interview on uh, which is a great channel. DJ Vlad. Uh, he has an interview with a guy. Um, uh, he has an interview. If you anyone's remember, there's a famous figure in American politics a couple years ago where there was this black guy, a black preacher in Harlem, and he was and he would talk shit about Obama in this very bombastic way. Uh, and Jeremiah Wright. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And, no, wait, no, no, no. Sorry, no, sorry. Jeremiah Wright was his pastor. I know you're talking. I know you're talking about the long-legged Mac Daddy. Yeah. Guy. And he gets interviewed by like uh, like a, a Lord Jamar, who's like a. I mean, he's a black nationalist. I don't think he, he'd say he wasn't. And um, uh, no one, okay, I'm not saying anybody's bad because, like, okay, look, in these neighborhoods, whatever, everything is some kind of like ethnic clan. And like this, uh, you go to those stores, and there is like, I mean, there's like, uh, there, it's not, I'm not saying they're like killing each other, whatever, but like those guys on that block and, and push and shove and all this kind of stuff. And they asked him, like, why did you start talking about shit about Obama? And he said, well, okay, look, first off, uh, there was new new immigrants that were coming in, which is a thing that happens in New York all the time. He's like these new yep. immigrants; they were buying up. Uh, they would get everybody. They would they were buying up uh, uh, stores and stuff in our in our in 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 what we considered our place. And he said, "So I wanted to lead a uh, a, a uh, what do you call it? a um we don't go buy their stuff." A boycott. So he led a boycott against those. And he's like, look, you can't do this. This is like our historic, like, this is like a very important place to black people. Uh, uh, this is Harlem, blah, blah, blah. And, and they said, well, okay, so what is that? He's like, oh, he's like, all these liberals come in and they're just like, well, look, you, uh, you don't get it. You're all people of color. You stupid. Like, yeah. like, uh, you, you guys are all supposed to play together. Like, are you an idiot? And he's like, I had to do this because otherwise, like, these liberals are just like, uh, they just come in and give you this shit. Yeah, and, and, and here's the thing, like, liberals, they will just look at some black person, um, you know, attacking an Asian person and saying, you know, the only reason he could do this is because he's a fucking idiot, like, you know, ooga booga monkey man, like, they will obviously not put it in that way, because, you know, that's racist and bad, but, like, that's what they actually, like, in, in terms of sort of embodied belief... Yeah, of course, like irrational people who, you know, act on emotion, they do irrational stuff. 
like it doesn't occur occur to them that like there's actual sort of conflicts over limited resources here that could explain this in slightly more detail than just uh, monkey see monkey do but again if you're a redneck if you're a white person in america of the wrong kind you live in in a red area even if you are stone cold retarded like bill and ted is einstein retarded uh there's no way for you to be stupid enough for a lib to go Oh yeah, you know, he's just stupid. No. Your stupidity is part of a plot. Yeah. Uh, one of... Some, I, don't, I don't want to dox anybody. So uh, there was a story of a very redneck guy. Me and Merrick read this story. And he did some, He did like a very stupid crime. And both of us sort of laugh. Like, oh, wow, this guy's a, a fucking moron. Uh, yeah, they can't really do that. Yeah. Well, sorry. Like the, the guy. Yes, the guy in the story was a white redneck. Blah blah blah. Uh, I went full admission. So I have heard this. So there's a new thing. Well, I've seen online where people do about black people, where they're like, "Oh no, no, no! The black people are devious if they're being. I think it's some some. Uh, if they're like, uh, if there's a Nigerian, so they'll. Uh, oh yeah. If so, if a guy steals, they're like, "No, no, no, no! He knows what he's doing. He's a Nigerian. They're yeah, the smart it, ones." Yeah, yeah, and again, like this is actually this ties into the fact that you know all of these elite institutions, like ha- they have to recruit African Americans, and so, but you know they don't want to get someone from the damn ghetto. Like, what will the neighbors say? Like, ha- has he been housebroken yet? So what they will do is they will take you know some upper class you know Nigerian <laughs> son yes. of a doctor and say you know, this is close enough for government work. Pretend you're an African-American, like, and this guy just goes, you know, African-Americans, they're dogs. Like, you know, people in Africa, upper class, upper middle class people from Africa, I mean, they consider African-Americans to be some kind of, you know, like, the missing link between humans and monkeys. Like, there's no love lost at all between these groups. Yeah, that uh, came that came up in that interview on DJ Vlad or whatever, and they were like, "Oh, these guys," and you know, part of like th- this is not like I don't think know if this is accurate, but but when they talk shit or they're like, "Ah, oh, let's go fuck those guys up," between African Americans and Africans, they're like, "Oh, those guys sold us on the slave ship. Fuck them." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the the chauvinism towards like African Americans from Africans. Like, even the most sort of, you know, battle-hardened racist on Twitter would just go, you know, this is a bit too much for me, probably. Um, Just like, you know, Dr. Mengele doing a study visit, um, like that Japanese unit, and saying, you know, this is really, (laughs) this is really immoral. Like, don't you have any sort of, you know, compunction? Like, you can't just do weird science like this come on like oh, these japanese are animals like there's you you should never underestimate african racism because it's it's it just hits different but but to return to the main point um the as we said earlier like there's no way for a white person to be like a white redneck to be stupid enough for where his stupidity is not part of some jewish bolshevik plot to ruin the nation 
And like the the let's go Brandon freakouts, like these people pitching this stuff, they're at an impasse right now. Because their own sort of racist, like, you know, otherization of their own countrymen say that on the one hand, these people are so stupid and cowardly and idiotic and fat and lazy that we just have to do operation, decisive fortification and, you know, (laughs) take their treats away. And they like because they have like brains the size of peanuts and the memory of goldfish, they will just, you know... Oh man, there's a new NASCAR race. Like, I don't even remember what year it is or who the president is. All I care about is the next NASCAR race because I'm a stupid redneck and I'm not like a blue liberal elite and so I deserve to be shot on. Like, that was their plan. And this spoke to the stupid part. But these people are also incredibly devious and dangerous and you never really fucking know what kind of, you know, shuds are lurking in the tall grass. So at this point, the very fact that you've had this very Rooseveltian response in a sense of, we are very mad and we're not going to forget, forget this. And if you think we're forgetting it, you have another thing coming. Uh, We will deal with you in due time when we're ready to do so. Like, of course people are freaking out. Like, this is a horrible situation to be in. Like, an utterly, like, insanely bad situation to be in. Like, people talk about, oh man, they're doing all these purges in the military. But as we covered um, last time I was on, like, these things are... You know, I'm afraid of forest fires, so I'm going to douse myself in gasoline because that will protect me. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, you're do- making the problem worse. Um, Pershing grunts is, like, pretty much unprecedented outside of, like, uh, uh, Roman um, decimation or whatever, which is a completely different thing altogether. Yeah. Like, saying that the ideology of the of the people that make, like, uh, $11,000 a year or whatever is bizarre. It, it's messed up as bizarre. This is, like, unprecedented stupid. Yeah, and look, like, the, the thing about the U.S. is just that, like, it's just, it's just running on... It's all this, like, jerry-rigged, duct-taped, like, clutch... Uh, so, so one of the driving factors of this um, this logistics crisis, which is one of the things we're sort of spared from in Sweden because we don't have that specific problem, meaning that if you go to a grocery store in Sweden, you will not notice that anything is wrong uh, normally. And if you go to like a specialist, like, you know, a camera store or whatever, yeah, there's going to be a waiting list on the equipment. And if you're, you know, a book publisher, oh, sorry, there's no paper anywhere in the world. So you can't print books. You guys have like 200 different kinds of mustard in your grocery store? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Yeah. And the mustard is still there. So like, you know, everything is fine, right? Well, the reason you have this sort of at least like this superficial lack of, you know, problems. There's no bread lines and there's not going to be any bread lines for a while, I think, unlike in the U.S. or at least like shortages on shelves. It's because like the U.S. has a huge um, 
bottleneck in the two big ports, you know, Long Beach, like in California. Um, and one of the bottlenecks is Dray truckers. And Dray truckers are, you know, uh, not just any kind of ordinary truckers. They're truckers that pick up containers at the port. Because normal truckers, they sort of stay away from that uh, type of work. Like it's the fucking plague, because it is. Like a serious real trucking company will not go anywhere within a 10 mile radius of a port. Because ports are bad news. And the reason ports are bad news is because um, the working conditions, like it's basically sort of voluntary slavery is the term I used. Most examples in American history of like guys literally shooting their bosses are uh, stevedores. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, uh, stevedores, like they're fine. Kinda. Like, yeah, sure, they have problems, but a lot of them are union, and sure, the job market is shrinking, but it's not slavery. Like, it's not slave-like conditions. But Dray truckers... Um, yeah, they have a have, union now. The truckers don't. Um, yeah, yeah. The Dray, like, so the Dray truckers are paid by the container, usually. But the problem is that, you know, all of these ports, they're kind of clusterfucks at the best of times. So if you're going to pick up a container, you have to wait an awfully long time, even on a good day. And you're paid by the container and you're paid a really low salary, meaning you could sit in a like a, you know, uh, what's the word? Like, you know, on the highway, all the cars are stuck. Yeah. Um, pilot traffic. Drag, yeah. Gridlock. Yeah. Pilots. You could sit. Pilots do the same thing, by the way. Pilots, they do a lot of shit other than fly the plane, but they only get paid when the engines are on. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So, so for a Dray trucker, um, depending on like the amount of, you know, everything's fucked up at the local port today, you could wait two hours to pick up a container. You're going to be paid like a very low sum for, or you could wait 14 hours. And guess what? Like the port doesn't have to give you a bathroom because you're not a port employee. Only the Steve doors and like people like that are port employees. So fuck you. You don't get a bathroom. Um, and if you wait 14 hours for that container, you might have worked 14 hours and then like when, once you deduct all the costs, you've earned 10 bucks or 60 bucks or something like that. Could be a lot of paperwork with international uh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, and you know, 60 bucks for 14 hours, that's not a really uh, good wage under those conditions. Your family, your family life, uh, you should get paid a lot more if I'm going to be away from your family, in my opinion. Yeah, and so the problem here is also that the reason these people like earn so little money is because they're basically sort of you know chain ganged into um, working as truckers, uh, especially if they don't speak very good English. Because like the the predatory method of this industry is that um, these people will be enticed to sign a contract where they where they buy their own truck. And they get this, like, payday loan to pay for the truck that they know, quote-unquote, own. And so, like, every hour they work, uh, given the terms of this fucking payday loan, like, they could actually be losing money by working. 
like straight up the worst kind of conditions like totally useless um, like sitting in 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 a 14 hour traffic jam because of total dysfunction and you're actually paying some slave driver money for the pleasure of being exploited uh, and and that's why I call this voluntary slavery because it's like slave-like conditions, but it relies on the people basically like the slaves at the plantation going, oh man, it's you know five thirty time for me to go up for my shift as a slave to pick cotton because you know I have this work ethic. And <laughs> by by the way, so one of the things that people talk shit about this. Uh, and this this is kind of surprising. You wouldn't expect this. So like, um, the the thing with the ports, we, we, the supply chain crisis. Like, there's no like disagreement whether or not this is going. The Biden administration literally announced like when they when they took office, they're like one of our main things is we're, we we have to take care yeah. of this supply chain crisis. We're really going to double down. Like so like, and no one's saying like it's not happening. Everyone knows it. However, the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if everyone knows it. People just say, like, okay, well, you're not going to get your new, like, exercise machine. Who cares? Um, so yeah, that's, that's I, true. But they don't deny it, which I, I would assume yeah. they used to. They would have just said, no, it's not happening. In some ways, what they're doing is worse than denying it. Like, Pete Buttigieg just said, like, we have this crisis because demand is so high because Americans are richer now and they're the glorious great leader, Joe Biden, than they've ever been before. And so people are just buying too much stuff. And, you know, we're working on fixing this. But as long as Americans are this fantastically rich, like it's going to take a while. This, this is one of, the, one of the things that's big controversial. I'm sure people want us to talk about. And, the, and this is this. And I just want to say, so... Um, Okay, with this, with with everything that's said, oh, with the collapse and all this stuff, it has to do with this kind of stuff. Okay, look, uh, when we're talking about things in the future, like a first off, if like if you have a disagreement about what something somebody else like thinks is going to happen in the future, it's kind of weird to get pissed off at them. Like like America says the Yankees are going to win the the, Nash, the the World Series. I'm like, fuck you, I'll kill you. No, no, no. The, the <laughs> like like okay, that's kind of weird because okay, like it's it, it it can be difficult to speculate on things in the future. However, okay. Uh, all, and many people have said this, including staunch liberals. They don't exactly connect the dots, but this all – and you, you can see there's a graph. Uh, uh, what the fuck happened in 1973? Uh, that's, like everything about American life. 71, isn't it? 70 – well, uh, somewhere. 71 to 73. But like everything in America has – okay, I – the, there were the, okay. We'll just leave it there. So the, there was an oil crisis, nineteen seventy three. We couldn't get any oil, and all of a sudden, like there was a huge decline in American standard of living for several years. Everything from like, uh, you know, like uh, sixty five to seventy two was fucking amazing. And then all of a sudden, there was so all of a sudden, like you know, all the cars were were huge, luxurious. Yeah. Uh, uh, they had huge Hemi engines. All of a sudden, seventy three, seventy four, everything is shit. Uh, all the like building material. Everyone had this awful shag carpet. Everything just becomes sh- like that. Yeah. Like we know what this looks like. And by the way, and then one of the conspiracy theories about the about the shutdowns, by the way, is that uh, they're covering up basically because oil, oil short oil usage is down like mega, right? 
people aren't no. driving around and stuff like that. I believe. So I don't know. This is a conspiracy. I have no idea if it's true. They say the reason why they shut down everything, the reason there's all this stuff is because they don't want is because uh, otherwise, uh, you, like they're just preemptive. They're preempting an, an oil crisis. Yeah, exactly. And and the the thing here is, and, and one point that's often lost here, and and I realized this myself in a kind of like self black pill. Like, when I sort of said half as a joke and the other half is very serious, like, if you're going to have, like, dray truckers are obviously insanely critical because they're part of a supply chain where no component can fail. It doesn't matter if you have trains uh, to put containers on if they can't leave the port. And it doesn't matter if you have truckers doing, like, you know, the long-haul stuff if, you know, there's no truckers to um, drive to the port. Because long-haul truckers, they know better than to go onto the cotton plantation. So, you know, know, slave plantations, they didn't work on an honor system. Like, you're my slave. Like, it's very naughty for you not to show up to work and pick cotton. Like, please don't do that. No, if you didn't pick cotton, you got whipped. And if you, you know, persisted in your laziness, they kill you. Because otherwise, like, the slaves wouldn't work. And so, like I said, half as a joke, like, if you're going to have Dre truckers live like this, at least make them actual slaves. And then I started thinking, like, why don't they? Like, and, and the first thought is always, you know, well, you know, it's the it's current year, folks. Like, we can't have slaves handling stuff like this. You know, that would be against democracy. But then I sort of realized that, no, actually, there's not going to be any slaves at the truck, like, you know, stops at the port. You know why? Because you have to pay people to hold the whips. Holy that's shit. The big, yeah. Like, that's not going to happen. Uh, if we're going to have, you know, legal slavery, uh, the, the slaves are going to have to whip themselves. Like, Amazon will come out with some fucking app where, like, uh, this app has detected you not whipping yourself, like, three times for, you know, not pleasing the master, like, you know... Uh, um, we are going to give you a one-star review, like stuff like that. Because again, nobody's going to hire people because you have to pay people to hold whips and, you know, keep slaves in line. Like the system is so, you know, fragile, desiccated that no, even the slavery has to work on this honor system because the copper wiring has been stripped out so fucking far that... (laughs) Like, it just fails if the slaves walk off the plantation. Like, there's no one there to catch them again. Um, and, and what's happening right now, as far as I understand it, is that, like, nobody has any sort of incentives to actually fix this logistics situation because all of them can just say, you know, like, I'm just a guy ferrying over... Um, containers over the sea 
it's not my job to, you know, unload the containers. And then the people in the port say, well, I'm the one unloading the containers. It's not my job to, you know, actually move them to this place. Uh, and all of them will just say, you know, it's not my job. It's out of my hands. Uh, late fees are going to go up like 500%. So if you're a customer and you want a camera, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to pay like 500% late fees because things are stuck in a container. Nobody's going to actually, you know, hire truckers, more of them, because, you know, the conditions are, again, voluntary slavery. You are living as a slave is you if you work as a trade trucker and people are not going to go oh yeah you know that's my career next career move i'm going to become a slave like it's not going to happen the cat is out of the bag people know it's just like a total fucking like indentured servitude scheme like they're not going to show up willingly and it's not on the map that you're going to pay them a livable wage like who's going to do that and, you know, you're not going to pay, you know, some slave hunters or whatever to bring them back forcibly. That costs money, too. And those people are probably going to vote, you know, Republican or whatever. Like, it's hard to imagine some, you know, pink haired whatever, uh, um, becoming, you know, the slave hunter bringing back the missing grade truckers to the Long Beach port. And they just say, well, we'll just have automated trucks. It's like we... You don't know much shit about driving a truck if you think that, uh, <laughs> yeah, this isn't like you can't just like, oh, I don't know how to drive a car, or you know, I'm able, or you know, a computer can drive a car. Well, just from the bottom, it like just start with like, uh, the guy the truck, the guy that runs the truck, he unloads the shit too, by the way. There's yeah. so much to it. Uh, and like, what the hell are you thinking? Like, this isn't something that's gonna be automated tomorrow. Uh, not yeah. in the next 10 years. Yeah, I mean, you can see why I I call this a sort of self-blackpilling experience because I really do think that this is the sort of the bottleneck at this point, in a way, that everything sort of stripped to its bare minimum, that even, you know, the enforcement of chattel slavery would, you know, require paying people a livable wage to keep the system going. Uh, and, you know, nobody is interested in doing that because, you know, again, New York City, 200,000 city workers, garbage men, like the whole shebang, garbage men, cops, firemen, teachers, blah, 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 600,000 NGO workers. You think those NGOs are going to say, well, you know, we're Tom, Dick and Harry, we're going to have to take one for the team. We're going to have to, you know, give up our salary so that someone can drive a truck and, you know, not be a slave. No, no, they they have they have mega voice and stuff. There's no one's going to uh, they're not going to listen to the truckers. Until it's too yeah, late. they're going to say, you know what? These fucking trucks, they just bring in useless treats. And the shots may spurge out a bit like, you know jump on the table and start hooting and hollering if they can't get their treats because Americans, again, like, you know, the eternal sort of redneck. And I could say this as a sort of ironic bit, but you kind of have to realize that people like when they say, you know, ordinary American is going to shimp out when it doesn't get his treats. This is part of the war without mercy. Like, this is the Pacific theater all over again, in the sense that 
Well, you know, you need these stereotypes, not necessarily to talk about the people out in, you know, wherever it is that Marek lives, which, you know, these people <laughs> can't place on a map. Um, people just like to talk, oh, Americans, they can't find Taiwan on a map. Well, you know, Brooklyn podcasters, they can't find, you know, Wyoming on a map. Um, By the way, the only whenever I try to see, because uh, I know that Jim Clyburn has good political instincts for the Democrat Party, uh, and by the way, he has like a he has his own patriot network of full of people that like he got elected. And yeah. when this happened, he put out a statement. He said, "Look, this is serious, but we need to do what we can so that Joe Biden doesn't get blamed." But he said he was like, like you guys, like uh, I wouldn't like make too much fun about this because, like, uh, you know, like I have to get my people. And like, I'm not, he, he doesn't care any more than any other person. But he's like, I kind of gotta get my guys like reelected uh, in twenty twenty two. To sort of sum up the 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 thing you sort of have to realize here, and, and though I sort of ironically praised myself for my foresight, like when I made this sort of Japanese metaphor for, you know, the, the great fortification doctrine of 2020. I was just thinking in terms of, you know, how that campaign kind of played out. Like you had this plan of, you know, massive, massive strike, shock and awe. And then at some point, like the shots would just go home. There's also just this sense where, you know, America is sort of polarizing because particularly like the liberal side, they need to create all of these like narratives, straight out of War Without Mercy. Um, not necessarily, like Brooklynites, Brooklynite podcasters, like they're not saying Americans need their treats because they want to talk about, you know, Americans in, in rural Virginia. They're saying that because they need to talk about, you know, how noble the Brooklyn podcasters or necessary they are in comparison. Uh, they keep bringing out the third world. They're like, well, this is what the global South is like every day. And you guys are chipping out because you don't have your microwave pieces and shit. It's like, we're, we're actually better people because we're, we're doing this for the third world. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, 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 the sense of sort of unrealness I mean, some people would say that, you know, the, the woman, she hears, you know, the pilot say, let's go, Brandon. And then she just has a massive freak out, like a paranoid sort of episode. This is because, you know, women be crazy. I love misogyny as much as the next guy, probably even more. <laughs> and yeah, indeed, at some points in history, women do indeed be crazy. But this is not a serious explanation. Like, there's a lot of real reasons that's not just, you know, well, you know, the yellow man is naturally stupid. Like, that's why he act like this. Like, this, or, you know, the black man, he's irrational. That's why he attacks Koreans. Like, again, try to not paint people as Japs. And you will find sometimes surprising, you know, you know, like ogres, like Shrek. They, people are like onions. They have layers. And in this case, it's not just, you know, I'm a Karen. But also, these shots were really, really, really supposed to give up after Pearl Harbor. 
They were not supposed to. And, and, you know, January the 6th, we put these people in their black sites and we tortured them. And, like, okay, at that point, they should be, like, scared to do anything else. But every Let's Go Brandon is a reminder that, like, you know, as Roosevelt said, this day shall live in infamy. And if you think we will forget it, you really do have another thing coming. Libs know that. That's why... They freak out. Let's just a little bit more than the whole of life.